looks like we got, you know, the uh, perfect item for your October 2020 bingo card. You know, in case you are, like, as crack-pinged as we are, and you are at the level of having monthly cards. Yes. That's very important these days. So, what's this here? I hear about a little necromancy. Yep. So, so... Uh, Knoxville officials uh, announced on October 7th that they had arrested a man named Danny Frazier, aged 34, for uh, allegedly causing approximately $30,000 worth of damage to the Knoxville Cemetery in a bid to uh, resurrect his dead mother. His dead grandmother, uh, I believe. Yeah, yeah, dead, yeah, dead grandmother. <laughs> but I would be totally surprised if he botched who he was trying to resurrect because it didn't seem like he really knew what he was doing. <laughs> he didn't have a soul trap set up. There was no divination taken to ensure the body was where it was supposed to be. The, the um, basic things. No space for a ritual? I mean, come it's on. It's like, you know, the third page of the Necronomicon, for fuck's sake. Come on. <laughs> well, you can get yeah. that at any yeah. fucking Barnes & Noble before the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, this is just... It was so, so sloppy. And I cannot believe he would ruin his bid to resurrect his grandmother without even trying to do the basics. What are you going to do? Summon her back into her old corpse? Uh, is this an SCP now? Is that what we're doing? And it's just so derivative. I mean, this is Norman Bates without the motel. Like, this yes. is like the backstory for Leatherface. This is like at least half a dozen bad slasher movies background right here. <laughs> Easily. It's like if you're gonna if Easily. you're gonna do that, you just you gotta commit. And you know, I'm looking at his picture and I'm not seeing, you know, the like flayed human skin mask or you know, the necklace of teeth or any of those like, you know, prerequisites for doing this kind of work. Like if you're gonna do that kind of track, yeah. then I mean, you know. Yeah. At least try. Yeah! I mean, it's... He's a bad name to all necromancers everywhere. And, and, you know, he got caught. (sighs) Which, you know... (laughs) (laughs) That certainly doesn't help. and, And there's, like, never a good thing you can say if you're, like, getting caught with the police at a graveyard. Like, there's just... There's, like, no good answer at this point. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's... Really, it's his fault for just completely fucking it up. Look, dude. Don't just think that because you watched one YouTube video on this that you know how to do proper necromancy. And don't experiment on your grandmother... 
resurrect something smaller first. <sighs> so yeah, there's your 2020 October bingo. <laughs> Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit so you don't have to. Um, with me today is our host, Doc Spider, and I'm Miss Silver. Um, St. Helen is on hiatus again. Um, we miss her, and hopefully she'll return. So, um... Yeah, so, the gift that was the Rose Garden (laughs) Party Massacre just keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. Chris Christie um, managed to check out of the hospital. Um... 20% 20% lung capacity shorter. <laughs> um, I don't know that that was actually the case. Possibly. Um, but it couldn't have been good for him. No. Like, this is... It didn't do him any favors. Yeah. And, and we're just seeing it continuing to, like, run rampant in the top ranks of the Republican Party. Like, now Lindsey Graham, the senator for South Carolina... And chair of the Judiciary Committee, yes. who's just been an absolute bo- bootlicker <laughs> for the past four years, um, <laughs> bailed out on an in-person debate with his opponent because he refused to take a COVID test. Because if he took a COVID test, then it would hold up everything related to the confirmation, which is... That is, like... One of their two um, only real priorities at this point. Like, they're really going ride or die on this. Like, the the hearings are starting (laughs) on October 12th. And if, like, Lindsey Graham is, like, hacking up, like, buckets of lung to get the proceedings through, like, it feels like he has, like, resigned himself to dying horribly for the party. Um, maybe, maybe he should ask his buddy Trump to, like, hook him up with a little Dex. The Dex that will probably be wearing off within a fairly short time after this episode airs. Yeah, um, supposedly, um, Trump has, um, said that he's off the drugs now. He's also said he's immune. He's also said he's in here. Um, <laughs> and I bet he still feels... I bet he still feels great. Because, um, you know... And also hasn't slept in a fucking week. Because those are um, some amazing fucking drugs he's on. Like, this cannot be emphasized enough. These are some incredible fucking... Oh shit, we might lose him steroids. They've prescribed him. Yeah. And, I mean, from what I've heard about people who've been on them, it's like, you have to remember that you have cancer 
and that no, you cannot go and lift a house. <laughs> the, uh, also, you never get to sleep. <laughs> so that's where he's at. Is I mean, it's possible that he is to some degree in a better condition as far as COVID. I mean, there's still the absolute refusal to discuss whether he's tested negative or not, which means he does. Probably. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a technical sense, like, you know, he probably is, um, he probably has low enough viral load that he isn't spreading it to other people, but it's like, you know, they're not saying, and that's a problem. And this is, like, does not diminish at all in spite of his claims to the contrary, like, including that he has a protective glow. Um, like, some straight-up medieval French king's bullshit right there. Or, you know, maybe the plague god has finally showered their blessings upon Trump, and he has, like, concluded his compact with the plague father Nurgle. And the rest of his campaign is nothing more than a giant, like, human sacrifice to the god of disease. (laughs) Yes. (sighs) What are you gonna do? So... I mean, that's why the fly was jumping on Mike Pence's head. It was was just, like, popping in there being all like, Yes, Grandfather Nurgle, this one is ready. Yeah, um, we had competing theories on this. Um, it is, of course, the doc's assertion that he is, um, he has also been touched by Nurgle, um, the plague grandfather. Um, and it's my assertion that Pence is a Westworld host. A um, unfinished one. Um, I mean, there's not much there. There, so obviously he's relatively easy to replicate. Not like that weirdo Delos guy. Oh, and sorry for spoiling like all of season two. There. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is anyone paying attention to that show anymore? Somebody is. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, (laughs) it's there. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I mean, he didn't fucking react. Um, I mean, like, which either takes some iron discipline, or he is just that out of it. Well, and he (laughs) might also be coming under with the plague, too. Because we had that whole incident where he abruptly canceled all campaign events for the rest of the week and flew back from Indiana to the White House pretty much immediately. And, you know, and the official statement was, well, we don't want to burn him out. It's like, okay. Well, I mean, I guess they were hoping that, like, Paris would get it and when she obviously didn't um 
it's like, well, gotta abort the op, take him back home. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, the attempt, so the attempt to spread Nurgle's filthy embrace has failed. For now. For now. Meanwhile, um, as we discussed with Lindsey Graham, um, <sighs> the Senate cannot decide what its priorities are right now. Like, right now, they seem to be focusing on ramming Amy Coney Barrett, the machine gun mommy, all the way through. Um, like, to the point of, like, what's his nuts? Ron Johnson from Wisconsin mm-hmm. saying he'll put on an astronaut space suit to get her confirmed and show up for the hearings. Like, this is so unbelievably ride or die. I mean, it's like, that's kind of an enduring legacy. Like, three Supreme Court justices, um, all of whom will vote conservative most of the time. Uh, I think Gorsuch kind of threw him because he actually has something vaguely resembling principles sometimes. He actually believes a contract is a contract is a contract. Yep. And sometimes that goes in people's favor. It's just like... But... (laughs) And what's so fucked is it's not just with the Senate. Like, because they're pushing so hard, they've effectively derailed any hopes of getting COVID aid through. Which isn't helped by that, you know, the White House hasn't really been sending a clear message on this. At all? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, to be fair, it's like, they did send a clear message to, like, to fuck off, and, I mean, the stock market, you know, had a completely normal one, and melted down over it, um, which, you know, is totally reasonable. Tweeting under the influence, um, Dan. I mean, that's what that was, tweeting under the influence. Yep. Like, Trump's on um, some... Um, don't tweet in Dex. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, these are some fucking amazing drugs, and the come down is gonna be, like... That's gonna be interesting, even if he's totally COVID-free. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically... We um, are all in Donald Trump's because of this trip. <laughs> So yeah, basically, um, like I said, they have two priorities this month. One is ramming through Machine Gun Mommy, which that's, as we record this, that would be tomorrow when they start hearings on it, um, on that whole process. Um, And then... um, that doesn't leave a lot of time for any sort of aid bill. Um, the optimistic version is that if they confirm her really quickly, um, and Pelosi and McConnell can agree on a package, um, and Mewchin as well, because, 
um, he's all uh, because he basically determines that the president is going to sign it at this point. Um, insofar as anyone does, and we are kind and, of seeing a clear message coming there, but it's you know this is coming out of Larry Kudlow's mouth, so whether or not he's sober or coherent is always up for debate on this show. Um, Mm -hmm. And, well, on one hand, he's signaling that Mnuchin's pretty clearly in support of getting this through. You know, he is also kind of saying some worrying things like this. It's not so much the election per se. I know this is the political season. I get that. It's just getting Americans through a difficult period of time. We've seen a flood of blockbuster improvement numbers across the board on the economy. But there's really no reason Mm -hmm. why we can't add to that some additional assistance in the next three months. And I think you can get a deal. I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin very dear friend of mine, as you know. He's a very good negotiator. Let's see what he and Speaker Pelosi come up with. But you agree that a stimulus package needs to pass. There needs to be one, right? And and you're hoping to do it in the next three weeks. I don't think, Jake, I mean, I don't want to parse, but I, I don't think the recovery is dependent on it. Look, we've had uh, That's not what the Fed chair says. job increases. Well, Fed shares essentially, I think, saying the same thing. Targeted assistance would be a good idea. But look, we've seen numbers across the board just in the past week. Booming housing starts, um, supply managers for manufacturing uh, and for services. Uh, We've seen automobiles surging. Uh, We've seen manufacturing. We think we created a new 700,000 jobs in manufacturing. These are really strong numbers. Inventories have to be rebuilt. Mark Mark Zandi of Moody says that if a stimulus bill isn't passed soon, the uh, administration, I mean, I'm sorry, the country is going to start shedding jobs again. Well, Mark is a friend of mine, but he's always a naysayer when it comes to Republican policies. <sighs> God damn it, Larry. Look, we know lewds can be nice. And, you know, as a sometimes dose, Larry. Mm-hmm. And the 80s called, they'd like to know where your supplier's getting them. Larry. And why you're not sharing, Larry. Fucking Larry. But. Oh my what? god. How yeah. the hell can anyone in the White House, or anyone anywhere really at this point, be trotting out this whole, well, the stimulus would be nice, but. We don't need it because we're already seeing an economic rebound shit. Because it's not real for him. It's not real for any of them. I mean, they're not the ones who, you know, had to pay the price. They don't give a shit. Yeah. All I know is, where's my money? Larry. Where's my fucking money? Larry. It took you several months to give me my money last time, Larry. Where's my next check, Larry? So, like, come yeah, on. Yeah, we have that. That's some weird dicking around coming from the White House, which fits with that Trump, you know, tweeted a stock crash 
in the fit of like a cocaine steroid incident. Um, yeah, I mean, you're technically not supposed to mix Dex and cocaine, but um, when has that ever stopped Trump? Or Larry, for that matter. It <laughs> Or Larry. Um, but, but yeah, basically, they're... Um, it's weird, because they're the, now scrambling to give Pelosi what she wants, while they're also saying less money, and it's just just such a clusterfuck of things not being communicated, like, because there's been, like, reporting showing up in places saying, well, actually, yeah, White House aides, like, policy people knew what the number was, and that they were okay with the number, and the only problem was the Senate, and it just was, they were all, like, all kinds of, like, anonymous stuff was hitting the business press and you know through like jeff klein and stuff of like aids being like what the hell's going on here so so yeah like the thing of it was now cnet which is um they were talking about this for god's know what reason um I didn't even know they do they did personal finance shit, but basically they're predicting October twenty sixth um, as being the date when um, they could first start voting on this stuff because you know the hearings are going to take a couple weeks. Um, like that's just. The Democrats have no real reason to not drag out the process um, if they want. Like, really, but they want to fast. Like, I think they might come up with some kind of bargain to let Barrett through in exchange for passing COVID relief. I could see that. I could um, see, like, they, they did it. <laughs> I mean, if they did it quickly enough, they could knock out Barrett's due diligence and then um, do the vote, and you know, Trump signs off on it, and she's a Supreme Court justice for the next time they meet. Uh, and let's be real, this thing passing is the difference between whether or not like the winter of 2020 goes down in history books in the worst way possible. Um getting some like yeah. the 1.8 1.7 trillion figure that's been agreed on with the stuff in there will be like enough to keep uh, like the US economy from completely dying like and like yeah. on a personal level like this may be a thing that saves you from eviction but it's yeah it it was thrown in doubt because Trump had a fucking steroid fit. Uh, and before that, because Mitch McConnell, like, saw that, like, Jupiter was in the fifth house and the moon was in Pluto, so fuck you. Because um, <laughs> there's really no... There, yeah, like, that was... <laughs> you gotta be doing some arcanely stupid neolib bullshit to think that not passing this when every single government on the planet right now is throwing money at their economies to prevent 
some kind of disaster to varying degrees. Um, nobody's talking about, except fucking Larry with his tax cuts and deregulation, that we can just let the private sector chug along through this. Like, even the private sector isn't saying that. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I realize that, you know, austerity, um, austerity-based neoliberalism basically just completely melts your brain into pudding. But it's like, this is the time for stimulus. And, you know, all of the other weird technocrat states, they did it. So, why can't we? Sooner and more effectively at that. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, there's still people who are eligible who signed up who still don't have their fucking checks. Um, I'm not in that position anymore, thankfully. But I've got no idea where mine a is. lot of people are. God damn. <laughs> you're supposed to be able to claim it by, like, the... You're supposed to have to claim the first one by, like, the 15th. Like, Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, this is... The reason is at this point just fucking dumb. Like there is no there's no good political reason for the Senate Republicans to have spiked this in the first place. There is no good economic reason unless you are like fucking mainlining Milton Friedman's ashes or something. Um I mean that's that kinda seems to be the <laughs> seems to be the case. I mean, yeah. It seems to be the case. That, that's as good an explanation as any, really, because there's just no damn good reason to be doing this. Like, at all. So, if yeah. for whatever reason, Mitch McConnell decides to really go full fucking death cult, shit will get really bad. Really quick. For huh. the next, like, ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I'm not sure that it'd be enough to, like, prevent his re-election, but, I mean, does he really want to be minority leader that badly? Uh, assuming the caucus keeps him, I mean, if the Republicans, like, the Republicans are on track to be on the receiving end of, like, a 50 to 48 Senate, or like fifty three forty seven kind of balance right now. Like, it just makes no fucking sense for Mitch McConnell to be like, right, I am like gonna do a flip off that shit. And yeah. spike the thing that everyone agrees, even my own stupid, like drug overdose president and Larry goddamn Cudlow. I mean, it's just these people, a lot of them are just super high on their own ideology. They really believe in austerity. And you'll note that, you know, even the Tories gave up on austerity during this crisis. Hell, one of the first I mean, things Boris did after <laughs> getting elected was take a private rail line under public management temporarily because they'd been fucking up spectacularly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know... 
When we say neoliberalism's yeah. dead, this isn't a joke. <laughs> it is fucking dead. Yeah. And there's no good reason at this point for this stimulus to not get passed. It there is just no good capitalist reason to do this. There is no good political reason. It would just be sheer fuck you at this point. Yeah, and like, even the president has been, even during the deaths, he was like, I'm not, uh, and he was like, I'm going to do it after the election. He was still going to do it, is the thing. Like, I mean, even he recognizes that it's needed. He just wanted to hold it over people as like a political cudgel because the guy is not that politically savvy when it comes to things like this. Yeah, this is why we're seeing like, and this is no excuse to like slack off, um, but you know, this guy is <laughs> pretty in trouble across the board and getting COVID was the exact thing to completely derail his campaign. So at this yeah. point, the only thing, like it makes no sense for any of the actors who at this point are holding up this process to keep this shit up. It would be, it would even be counterintuitive from a standpoint of trying to stage some kind of fascist coup. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be turning loose the black shirts while being the person who took bread from hungry people. Yeah. I offer you struggle, but the other part of that is I offer you bread. I I won't repeat the hyperinflation. Like, that was, that was Hitler's thing. Exactly. It was, he was going to right the ship again. Um... And that's the same thing with, like, say, Pinochet. When he took over, like, part of his rationale was that Allende's policies were bankrupting the country. Now, granted, Nixon's trade war had a lot to do with that, but um, actually almost everything to do with it. And Franco was, I mean, granted, he was... Like, it was, like, running against, like, you know, union disruption of industry and the fact that the economy was in the shitter... For, uh, as one of the rationales for this is why we need to overthrow this government. Like, fascists yeah. don't do very well when they're the ones who are starving people. Yeah. I mean, it might... There is, like, you know, the dim possibility that this is the prelude to actually competent fascists stepping in and ruining everything forever but we here at the chop shop back, uh, editorial uh, desk we don't really think that's the case but yeah so this is just you know this is that these people do not give a fuck about you remember that they yeah. do not give a shit that's why this has become a giant political football that's why you living or and dying is a political football. <laughs> I mean, it's also worth noting that attitudes towards um, 
attitudes towards stimulus and the like have been shifting, even even in rural areas, even um, out in the West. Um, like these, a lot of people are realizing that hey, you know, if if you can actually hook me up and you know get me some fucking money to survive this, they give me like fucking money. Quit dicking us around. Hey, hell, the biggest thing that came up in this study that Barron's covered on this is that solid, like, slight majorities were both, like, pissed with the stimulus because they thought it gave too much to corporate interests and oil and gas. Yes. Like, that was... Across the board, it was like, we want support for... You know, a lot of the economy, but we don't care if the Fortune 500 get bailed out. We don't care if oil and gas uh, get bailed out. They can sink or swim. Yeah. And the, this in is, the case of oil and gas, they can basically sink. Yeah, they're, they ain't swimming. But, you know, this is bailout Main Street from 2008 coming back with a vengeance. Yeah. And it's like, you'd think that Trump would realize that, because part of his fucking pitch was, you know, like, they they fucked you on this. They bailed out Wall Street, they didn't bail you out. Um, and that was, that was part of what he wrote into power. Um, and, of course, it's not terribly surprising that he would fuck this up. But, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this at this point we have accepted that Trump will always fuck it up but this is part of this is significant this is hey guess what there is a coalition for an economically interventionist like program that exists yeah. in the United States there's a broad coalition for this this is like the uh. fact that Biden is potentially going to beyond the receiving end of this does not change that there has been a fundamental shift in the political facts on the ground. Um, yeah. Like, I think that if Biden came out and was like, we're going, we're going to completely do austerity. We are not going to help you. And Trump would probably went out and it's like, yeah. And there are the devil you and it's to his credit that he hasn't fucking done that. He's actually hinted at some, like, like he had Kam like Kamala Harris promised to decriminalize marijuana during the VP debates and has, like, made his student loan forgiveness policy better-ish. I mean, it still needs a lot of fucking work. So, like, there seems to be some understanding of they can't, like continue an austerity program without it blowing up on them but to what extent they're going to like internalize that is another matter entirely but right now like the any kind of consensus supporting the like right-wing economics that has dominated like the united states canada australia and like the uk and other large swaths of the world is crumbling yeah like reality has dropped ah. it. 
it is wow. <sighs> Meanwhile, um, over in Michigan, remember what happened to Michigan? Oh this week? yeah, Jesus, some fuck. real red horse shit over down that Michigan way. So, the Wolverine Watchmen of Michigan, um, they got caught yeah, trying sound to... sound like a bad fanfic? Like, it already, like, just the name. This sounds like a bad fanfic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is 2020. Everything sounds weird and awkward. Um, we are, of course, getting fascism with awkward translation characteristics. Um... So, yeah, the Wolverine Watchmen of Michigan, um, a militia group, uh, not a very large one, admittedly. Uh, six of them got busted by the FBI in the initial roundup. Um, like a dozen or so more are facing charges, I think. Um, it, it was, it was amazingly fucked up. Um, Basically, they wanted to um, arrest um, Gretchen Whitmer, um, the governor. Um, and then, like, put her on, tr- or at least, you know, and then put her on trial and shoot yeah. her for treason, um, as you do. Yeah, and like torture was debated at one point during their meetings. Um, we know a lot of this because um, they had a CI. Because, of um, course. That's kind of the danger of being in a militia. Like, you know, you, um, you risk jail time because, you know, you, you're, like, fucked up obeying, like, I'm trying to obey, like, some dumb gun law or something, or you ask the wrong question to the wrong person. And now the feds have you, and they're like, um, do you want to go in the clink, suffer felony charges um, for this, or would you mind just, like, wearing a wire for six months? And that's basically what happened. As you do. Um, I mean, as you do. The, the, this shit does also kind of happen a lot to these right-wing militias that they, I mean, this doesn't mean to underestimate them, but there's they've had quite a few of these like spectacular security fails. Um, like there's an old joke that like I've heard bouncing around in like radical circles of something to the effect of like six uh, neo Nazis sit down in a bar, three of them are undercover informants. Two of them are slipping information to the local anti-fascists, and one has no clue what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's usually the size of it. Um, we're not trying to downplay this. Yeah, this because, is some day uh, of the rope shit. Yeah. Like, let's not. Yeah, I mean, not to beat around the bush. Let's not mince words here. 
Yeah, this was like they had like a small arsenal of pipe bombs ready for like blowing up bridges. They were planning to murder a whole bunch of cops in their sleep and then like use this to kick off a civil war. Like this was not like just hey, we're going to kidnap the governor because we don't like masks. This was like a like, you know, a totally unbaked but disturbingly thought out plan here. Yeah to basically destabilize the country even more than it already is. And I mean, they they had a chance. Um, So, I mean, I wouldn't underestimate these fucking people. Sooner uh, or later, one of them is going to get it right, if nothing else, because if you crunch the same set of numbers enough times. But, you know... Support your local anti-fascists, by the way. Um, <laughs> maybe also support us on so, Patreon. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. Um, we are finally able to pay for our SoundCloud, which helps us keep the show on the air for you. Um, if you could help us out a little more, we could get some actual fucking equipment. But yeah, so... <laughs> Which would so be these, nice. like, this is not the only group that's running around with this kind of, like, boog boy, like, far right, let's just kick it off ideology. And, like, even though it looks like Trump oh, yeah. is not in any condition to be, like, orchestrating a coup, um, for once, like, Ross Douthat might be halfway close to a correct opinion there. Um yeah, I mean he. Here's your here's your gold star, Ross. Fascism is more. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like I I think he's right in that you know Trump's fascism is mostly instinctive. Like when it comes to the art of politics, he's not very good at it. His instinct is to flip the table, which can work, but when you're trying to like build support for getting one faction of the deep state to wipe out the other half um, so that you can take over that's that's a huge problem for you. Yeah. This is and I think it's good for us, but it's a problem for him. Like I think the place that he's you know the place he's wrong is that he's kind of underestimating the extent to which the this like far right violence is going to be a problem. Like, and to be clear, like oh, no yeah. one on this show has ever suggested like some of the more outlandish shit that he's throwing out, like uh, militia intimidating the Supreme Court. Like we, I mean, that's some Tom Clancy bullshit. Um, but I mean, I I could see it, but I mean, frankly, at this point, no longer even fucking matters. I mean, they got machine gun mommy. Like they have all the votes they need. Yeah, like it could still. I mean, these guys might still try to like go off the chain a bit, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, by and large, I think, um, a lot of the scarier scenarios are foreclosed now. Um, 
because Trump's head is just, it's not in the game. He's just, he's not able to perform as he once did. And because of that, that makes a lot of gambits that were possible, um, no longer possible. Like, he's just... Especially since he's going to crash off those drugs. He's going to hit a brick wall. Like... Yeah, I mean, it's like, if he hasn't crashed by now, I mean, honestly, it's sometime tonight, I guess. In the next, like, I would be shocked if he makes it through this week without having a serious, like, come down. Even if he's totally COVID-free, like, right now, it's kind of half the drugs talking. So... Um... (sighs) I mean, it's like, yeah, it's very powerful shit. Um, And, I mean, the Half-Life is like... Um, 36 to 54 hours, so if he stopped yesterday, he's still got a little time going before it, you know, completely falls out of his system. So, that's, Um, you know, Donald Trump's drug trip might just, you know, prevent Donald Trump's coup. Yes. Um, Because, I mean, part of me thinks that he's probably going to be back back in form by you know election day but that's that's too late and he's already like there's already signs that he's not doing so hot like he did his little white house rally thing and he was supposed to be speaking for 30 minutes and usually you can't get this guy to shut up and instead he wrapped it up in 18 yeah um that's that's never like this is yeah. Kremlinology to be clear this is totally Kremlinology but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it's like when you're staring down the barrel of all the shit we got going on sometimes you gotta indulge in a little Kremlinology not uh, Kremlinology blurf um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's then just... we get the shit going down in Denver because that's why we gotta do a little Kremlinology and weird ass tea reading but yeah this, this, oh, yeah. this is part of this shit with, there is a violent right that's not going to be going away Trump loses, they're still going to be there like and yeah. this kind of happens and happened in Denver on October 10th though you know it's also kind of a nice example of fucking around and finding out. Yep. Playing stupid games and winning stupid prizes. Um, so Denver had like so... dueling Patriot Pride and BLM Antifa Soup Buffet demonstrations going down. Yeah. So, okay. This is what we know at this point. Um, sometime during um, the protests, um, 
a reporter for Nine News, which, if you are not in Denver, is the local Sinclair affiliate. Um, they were doing a report, um, and they've hired private security, as you do, um, because these protests are pretty rough. Um, some news outlets uh, had unofficial security, some have official security. This was official. Um, contracted through the Pinkertons, no less. Yes, those yeah. people. Those fuck Those Pinkertons. Um, so, of course, they were armed. <laughs> um. Yes. And so this guy tried to like this, mace it, the security guard MAGA and the reporter. From the Trump rally, by the way. Yeah. This was like... As you do, because this ha- this also has been a thing consistently at these Trump rallies is like far right uh, meatheads picking fights with and harassing journalists. Like this has been a consistent yeah. thing at these events. So it's not that surprising at this point that one of them would run over and try to play with some mace. And, I mean, I guess this guy figured he was going to be a hero, right in, and, you know, tell um, some local journalist to fuck off using his mace, because that works in Portland, apparently. Maybe get a nice GoFundMe um, out of it, you know, do the Andy No thing. Yeah, and then the security guard dumped him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As a private detective proceeded to do the second good thing that's ever been done by a Pinkerton. <laughs> yes. Or, I mean, we, we do have to give props for that. Like, they did... That, that Pinkerton did a good thing uh, compared to the usual yes. shit they get up to. So it's like, obviously, some people are wondering, like, why? So why would they do that? Why would that be their thing? And the reason is basically, um, if you're trying to like take down someone's security, um, that's usually the prelude to kidnapping, um, and it's like. You know, during the the Chaz slash Chop days, like the Proud Boys did kidnap people, um, and using vans. and people were fucking kidnapped by feds in Portland, and have been reported being kidnapped in Kenosha and New York. So th- this and it's this like- is a real <laughs> thing. Like this isn't just some dude coming up to mace them. This could have been any number of other things. Yeah. And it's like... So the way they're trained, um, and this guy's, you know, a cut above like the average mall cop. Um, you kind of have to be to do these kind of personal security details. Um, he you know, fell back to his training and was like, well, okay, this guy's attacking my principal uh, because he's attacking me. 
um, to get to my principal because obviously, you know, once he has me down, he he can take her out and then do God's no what to her. And so he fucked around and found out. <laughs> like, yeah, th- this is why rattlesnakes have a rattle. <laughs> like. I mean, it's it's very much, yeah, I mean, it's a little more triggered happy than I would have liked, but it's like, at the same time, you know, that's motivated by a valid security concern. And I think that, you know, if you're gonna... <laughs> it's not like these guys are subtle. This guy was wearing, like, the standard contractor uniform. Oh, yeah. So this was had in everything, uh, but and this is kind of uh, we are seeing this pattern with like this right wing violence that it is definitely has the potential to be immediately very dangerous, but it's not very well organized or thought out. Beyond, I have weapon and I'm going to brandish it slash use it. Yeah, I mean, this is very much a case where he refused to see the obvious signs. Like, I mean, this, if you're in those circles, you know this guy is like a fucking contractor. Like, he's got the outfit. And if you've seen the pictures, you'll know what I mean. Like, right down to that fucking This is a chub we're talking here. Like, they, yes. they don't think these things... A lot right. of them are not that price. And, and they do run off of, like, what, you know, uh, Robert Johnson calls the cargo cult of masculinity, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like... I mean, it's not that surprising that this guy got domed, but... At the same time, like, Jesus fucking Christ. You didn't know that was coming? Yeah. <laughs> But meanwhile, for one that everyone saw coming, North Korea recently um, did a big military parade where they proceeded to show off their enormous intercontinental ballistic missile. Oh, uh, yes. It is, um, so far, it is the biggest known um, road mobile ICBM. Like, there, there have been bigger ICBMs, but this one can be transported by truck. Um, so yeah, anti- <laughs> the pro- the anti proliferation treaty has effectively been shat upon and rendered moot. Mm-hmm. the The American Empire continues to shrivel. There's really nothing that anyone can do about this at this point. North Korea has an ICBM. They have nukes. There you go. Yeah. And... Like, at this point, Iran is probably going like, you know what? Let's just fucking do it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's still a fucking abomination, but, you know, let's let's not get taken out like, you know, that guy in Libya. Yeah. At this point, this is... As we've been saying, the American Empire is unraveling at the edges. This is 
pretty much at this point north korea can do a sort of like you know under the table black market trade and exporting nuclear know-how and icbm knowledge at this point Mm -hmm. so anyone who doesn't like the united states and fears military intervention has a willing seller yeah i mean it's like you know the russia used to have a lot of this stuff but they don't sell to anybody near to to the states near just china you gotta get the design somewhere pakistan's rumored to have had like participants in their nuclear program going rogue and selling shit but officially like even the pakistani government has refused to turn it over to the saudis and the saudis pay their bills and keep the lights on yeah ah but yeah (laughs) there goes that's like anyone who's expecting an obama reset or a return to uh, status quo anti after Trump is out that's not gonna happen yeah I mean I suppose I could see Biden being like yeah fine I won't give you whatever you want but um, if that were the case he'd be arguing from a position of weakness yeah um there was no one like Suez crisis that broke the American empire. There was just, you know, the four years of Trump following 16 years of forever war. I mean, this is, this is what happens when you live in a decaying empire, like sooner or later, you know, Everyone realizes you bleed, you can be taken out, and do the rules of empire inflicted on you, do they really matter anyway? North Korea? I think they think no. Yep. (sighs) And on the horizon, the Black Horse. This is, yeah, so the whole eviction crisis that has been being, has been developing in the United States is now accelerating. Um, New York, Nevada, and Boston are all expected to have ceased eviction protections by October 12th. Um, The only real exception we've seen to this trend of eviction uh, protections expiring has been like in San Francisco and now in Washington state where governor Inslee has extended the moratorium to the end of the year. But yeah, it's coming. The the levees that were holding this flood back are falling away in the case. Uh, and actually what's really kind of sick about what's going on in New York and New York, Boston. Yeah, New York is it's like this has been like particularly in New York is this was because 
the housing court ruled that evictions could begin. This was not even because, like, this is just, it's the same shit happened in Wisconsin, where, like, the Republican Wisconsin Supreme Court uh, ruled that the governor could no longer take, the Democratic governor could no longer, like, take charge of the COVID response and pass it over to a legislature that's done nothing. And now you have, like, the housing court in New York going, yeah, no, fuck that. We want evictions to resume, even though we're in an unprecedented everything crisis right now. Yeah. Um, to be clear, uh, what's happened is that basically default judgments, um, can resume, um, which that'll be happening November 3rd. Um, now they have been like, this is going to take a while to run through their backlog because A, there is a huge fucking backlog. Um, and B, <sighs> COVID is still a thing. And they're going to, I think they're still planning on doing in-person um, housing court because this is not, um, I think they took one look at the Texas president and were like, um, no, we're not going to do that. Progress! Yay! <laughs> yeah, we're looking at num- like an estimated 3.7 million renters are now at this point in jeopardy of being made homeless by eviction nationwide. Like, we're looking at unbelievable numbers of people being thrown out of their homes now by legal and illegal evictions. We're seeing growing numbers of people at risk of this it's these are all things that are happening because of this like absolutely broke dick economy a broke dick political system that is prioritizing some stupid let the markets rule bullshit in the senate over let's not let people like fucking freeze to death in the street yeah, and it needs to be emphasized that in a lot of these states, if you're if you're homeless and you're unsheltered, you probably will die of exposure. Like that's there's no two ways around it. Um, New York City, Boston, places like that. Um, Nevada's not nice in the winter. Like yeah, like those are. This is kill the poor shit. Oh, let's be real on this. People losing their homes like this is kill the poor. And it's like, part of it is because Cuomo fucked all of this up, and so the housing court was like, well, some technicality says that we can restart some proceedings. Um... And it's just... And this is why these kind of things... And these are things that are happening at the state and local level, by the way. Like, things like eviction protections. um, Potentially even things like rent moratoriums. Um, Mortgage moratoriums are a bit trickier. But, like, stuff like rent and and more, like, eviction stuff is things you can do at the local and state level. Like, you can lock down City Hall 
until they pass something like a local ordinance protecting tenants for the duration of this crisis. Yeah, and people have been pushing, but in some places we are losing we are losing ground because like in New York's case, a lot of it is because the Ted Safe Harbor Act um, has a bunch of loopholes in it. Um, one of those is that um, one of the proceedings that can't proceed are securing money judgments instead of evictions. And a money judgment means that you're you're on the hook for all of that fucking rent. Which is... <laughs> that's just as bad for you as, like, a bona fide eviction. Yeah. So this, this is all of what's coming with our very, you know, kill the poor policies across the board. Speaking of killing and dying... Pale horse. Pale horse. Oh, God. It's... It's not good. Remember 2016? Remember when people... Good people were dropping dead left and right? It's happening in 2020 again. 2016 never ends. What we are very sad to report that Eddie Van Halen, the rock god, has been called home to wherever it is his amazing talent came from. Yeah. Good God. It's just this this fucking year. Yeah, people are like you know, are like it's it's so weird. Like you you think you, know, you think these people will be around forever, and then you're writing that oh yeah, they're like sixty five or eighty or something, and they can just you know die. So yeah, that's and you know in a more economic sense, we're seeing job loss is really kicking in solidly across the board from COVID. Um, At this point, a airline attendance whose jobs have basically depended on uh, COVID aid being passed are now facing mass layoffs. Um. Like American, like particularly at Philadelphia International Airport, the American Airlines CEO Doug Parker has said that you know if this passes, then maybe we'll be able to end these furloughs. But as it is, these are jobs that are going away. Yeah, and it's it is so fucked up. So. Basically, a large part of the problem is that 
passenger volumes fell and never really quite recovered. Um, and on top of that, um, I mean, a lot of this is most of, like with this particular Philly one, um, it's a lot of people getting hit on seniority rules because um, they they heart, uh, they made a bunch of new hires and I mean it's like passenger traffic at that airport collapsed um, like it went from uh, the usual cycle of January and February being a little slow um, but you know, improved over last year to, like, March, half the traffic, and then April, like, 5% of the traffic. And it's slowly been building up, but it's, like, they're seeing maybe 30% of the passenger traffic as of August um, going through. And that's that's why they're, you know, calling all these jobs because uh, because the Senate will not get off its fucking ass and and Mitch McConnell's a prick and yeah and this is not just happening in Philly but Philly's just like the most direct example so far yeah this is just this is just one place and, you know, more broadly, we got that ongoing, very messy death of oil that we've been covering uh, for a while now on this podcast, uh, much to our shock and amazement, by the way, that it even happened. <laughs> yeah, so 107,000 oil and gas jobs have been wiped out by COVID, and most of those are We've been suspecting that this was going to be the case, but like the price of oil is $45. When we've been saying permanent, the words permanent loss of capacity, this is what we mean. This is the oil and gas industry has suffered irrecoverable damage at this point. Like, yeah. ExxonMobil is off the Dow Jones for the first time since 1929 when they got on the exchange. Um, Chevron is falling off the Dow Jones. Um, Shell is divesting from oil completely. Um, and all these jobs are getting lost in the process. People are being left behind by this industry. Because at the end of the day, that's where they're at. That's how they view their labor force. That's how they've viewed the product and the entire process. So part of it is um, like Schlumberger. They, they're the world's largest oil field services firm. They, in July, they said they um, were shedding like 21,000 jobs. Um, and things did not significantly improve. Now, the industry seems to think that if 
the price of oil recovers to about $55 a barrel. It stays there through 2021. About 76% of those jobs will come back. Um, if oil stays where it is, 3%. And I should probably point out at this point that $35 a barrel makes a lot of American oil non-viable. A lot of the $35 oil has already been, shall we say, barreled. This is like, as much as, and we totally feel this pain, as much as it grinds the gears of anyone who gives the slightest fuck about the planet to hear, like, Joe Biden promise to support fracking, or, like, Kaiser Newsom to veto a bill banning fracking, um, economically speaking, fracking's fucking dead. It is not coming back. It is not economically viable. The amount of money that would have to be spent by the state to make it viable is, like, simply ridiculous. And in a time when people are saying, actually, we'd like those green jobs that are, by the way, way cheaper to do the green energy at this point. There's just no argument for it. And not banning it is just like a really pointless political sop. Because the reality is fracking's fucked. <laughs> Oil's <Yeah>. broadly <laughs> fucked. I mean, it's like, at this stage, I think the petrochemical sector will eventually recover, but oil and gas... Oil and gas as a whole, no. I just, I don't see it. I don't it's see done. it. It's done. I mean, we probably like, should do a special about this, really, because this has been probably one of the biggest stories out of 2020. And it was fucking wild. <laughs> and this is going to be, like, assuming a Biden administration happens, or any other, or, you know, also in the UK, and in, like, anywhere that has depended heavily on fossil fuels and oil and gas in particular this is going to be the challenge of 2021 is what are you going to do with all these people who are jobless and have only partially transferable skills in some cases yeah i mean like the white collars can be saved because they can spin it as energy management as energy management. But the people who have been out roughnecking or working on oil rigs or like down in the pit mining coal, like that's going to be a significant problem. If it's not, if like something is not done to like keep these people like at least fed and housed and clothed. Yeah. And part of and, like, this will be disastrous for the communities that depended on this industry. Like, let's not forget that. Yeah, it's like... Th this is... There <laughs> a lot of... A lot of places in, like, you know, West Virginia, Virginia... Um, Louisiana. Kentucky. Yeah, I mean... Texas. As it is, a lot of places got fucking hit by the, uh, the coal industry just completely shitting itself. Yeah. And now 
all the oil and gas communities, they're staring down the barrel of that. This is going to be a significant, like, this, like, dramatic reorientation of economic reality that's already unfolding. That's just, I mean, like we keep saying, the old system that existed is dead. It's not coming back. Like, these are permanent structural changes that are going to present, like, challenges of, like, now you have potentially millions of people in need of additional economic aid and economic transition support on top of the damage COVID's done. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just, at this point, I'm just amazed. It's... We want to see it. Yeah. This is, at this point, austerity would be suicide. Any form or attempt to to return to, like, neoliberal economic policy in any way would be destructive beyond measure. And, you know, that brings us right to hell. (laughs) as tell. Um, so, remember how we were like, airline workers are getting sacked across the board? Well, you know, they have unions. They're not taking this shit lying down. And the airline stewards union is finding to strike. And, lest uh, we forget, this is the same union that effectively broke the government shutdown. By doing the exact yes. same thing. So. This is a flex. It took like. <laughs> yeah. It took like. Two. Three days. For them to just completely capitulate. So. You know. That is always an option. For airline stewards. And. Uh, longshoremen. And teamsters. And. Any of those other unions. That are like. Keeping everything moving. You know. That is an option, is to say, you know what, fuck it. <laughs> if you're going to make us hurt, we're going to make you hurt. Yeah. And at this point, um, basically what's... Uh, there's also something interesting in, um, in Norway. Um, oh, yeah. Where... <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love that labor militancy. Yeah. Like, basically, um, they want to match the pain conditions at onshore remote control rooms with those um, offshore workers. Um, working on rig is fucking hard. And what they, uh, what these, um, <sighs> Like, at this point, they want to... Basically, what's happening is the onshore workers are not covered under the same contract, um, which they're trying to use to, um, you know, smuggle um, union-busting bullshit through. And... Needless to say, like, they're not stupid. They're going to, they're going to go for it. They're going to go on strike if they don't 
get the um get those people a contract. So <laughs> it's so nice to see. It's oh yes, and to round it all out, we have indications that the next few years, at least as far as what's going on on Capitol Hill, might be getting very interesting. Um. Oh yeah. When on October sixth, a Democrat, a Democratic congressional uh, report was released on the actions of uh, Amazon, Facebook, Google's conglomerate, better known as Alphabet, Apple, and several other tech companies, and they have concluded they are wielding monopoly power, and it will be necessary to change antitrust laws and enforcement to effectively do something about it. Yeah. We are getting in this interesting position where (laughs) the center is being forced to fight the right, and may also be forced to take on big tech because they are starting to recognize that letting the oligarchs do whatever the hell they want is not good for the health of the state. Yes. I mean, Facebook... Facebook is basically um, the fifth column of the Trump campaign. Um... And there's some really horrific things that they've let go by, like the massacres in Myanmar. Like, Facebook is... Kenosha. Some real, pure fucking evil. Oh, yeah. And the monopsony um, thing that Alphabet and Apple have going on... um, is (laughs) is <laughs> it's that is like yeah that is some classic antitrust bullshit oh yeah um so this is gonna be this is some interesting indications really when it comes to economic policy yeah. that at least i mean this is still a subcommittee report this isn't something that's hit the main floor yet but this is like some significant movement compared to what we've seen before and yeah. how tech has been handled um and you've got stuff like the california privacy act which is on the ballot this fall which would bring like privacy protections for california consumers up to the same levels as what's now enforced in the european union which you know isn't totally great but you know it at least keeps google from being able to like shove a fiber optic camera up your ass um yes um, it's also worth noting that Amazon is uh, the fourth um, of these um, companies that were investigated. Um, and it should go without saying that, yes, they are a fucking monopoly. Like, they are... <laughs> They're absolutely. Like, these guys are the new monopoly tycoons of the United States. This is the Gilded Age all over again. Like, there's no dispute on this so you know it's interesting that this is happening that we're starting to see shifts taking place at least on some levels i mean this doesn't mean anything's going to come of this this could just be a report that 
gets filed and dies in subcommittee, which has happened pretty frequently. Yeah. I don't want to make this into something that it's not. This is so far just the finding of a subcommittee report. And a part of, um, yeah, like parts of the, um, the actual subcommittee have released their own counter reports that are basically responses. Some, some are relatively mild, like, we don't like this to, this is, um, there was basically one that was Jim Jordan being all, the platforms are biased against conservatives. And it's like, Facebook loves you fucking people. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. But yeah, this is the beginning of, I don't know. Like, I think we're going to be seeing some significant shifts that neoliberalism is not going to be able to deal with. Now, that doesn't mean they won't figure out some other way to come up with a shitty iteration of capitalism. Of some kind oh, of, like, yes. green-rushed, woke monstrosity that doesn't actually improve people's lives significantly. But, you know, there is potential for like actual movement away from the hell world we were just in um and we could i mean i don't want to get over optimistic here that's definitely not in tune with this show this entire year but (laughs) you know there's some cracks in the glass yes like the powerful ah. still really fucked up and really fucked themselves this year. Even if shit doesn't completely break on election day, which it might still, possibly, but probably not in any organized way. Yeah, I mean, we have some reason to be mildly optimistic, though I will... I will say that I do think we're still on track for civil war. I think it's... I mean, this is silver lining on a shitstorm. Let's be real. Oh, yes. These are, for people that are organizing to make these changes, there are broader macroeconomic trends from things like green energy beating the snot out of fossil fuels with um, the cost curve to finance seriously stumbling to now austerity politics being a dead letter there's a lot of room for pushing yes that wasn't there before and it's our hope that you can take out some of our knowledge and our anger and use it to to fight for us all. Remember, you know? this is the year that ACAB became a majority opinion. Yes. Better things are possible. <laughs> so from all of us at Chop Shop Economics, good luck out there. Bye, everybody.